Hi, welcome back to Adventures in Bad Parenting and Other Weird Stories. Really quick, I wanted to thank everybody who's watched the cartoon. If you haven't seen it yet, go onto YouTube and do a search for Adventures in Bad Parenting and Other Weird Stories. It's important that you get the whole phrase. If you type that all in there, um, cartoons that I've made of the episode will pop up and you can check them out. I really appreciate it if you'd share them with someone or at least like them. Sometime over the holidays, I was at a get-together and I suddenly kind of like blanched, like I kind of got scared and I spun around and standing there behind me now in front of me was a tiny like six-year-old boy. And my eight-year-old daughter was standing just off to the side and she saw that I kind of flipped out. And now this little boy is staring up at me like, what's his problem? And my daughter says to this little boy, it's okay. He's afraid of everything. Thank you, sweetheart. That's my daughter who also told me I don't have to go to amusement parks because I'm afraid of everything. And the sad truth is, I am afraid of everything. I am always nervous and worried about something. So I'm dedicating this whole episode, not to anxiety like I have in the past, but to proper fears. And I hope you guys can relate. First chapter, it's fun being a little hot. In this kind of nervous miasma, I guess you'd call it, of dealing with children all the time, I have learned I start to talk to other adults like their children. I don't mean I'm condescending and rude. I mean, I just start to think that adults are going to spill things, drop things, break things, all of that. And uh, the best example I have is this. My friend was at my house, right? He's a Green Beret. He is the most hardcore dude I have ever known. He's the closest thing to Rambo I've ever met. Even when I was in the army, most people weren't like this guy. Given the description of the guy, I know you think I'm lying that someone like that would even hang out with me, but whatever. I'm just glad he's there. I had made some cocoa, you know, like tough guys do. And I hand him his cup of cocoa. And as I hand it to him, I say, be careful. It's really hot. Bullet wound in his back. Hardcore dude. I, I think he can handle a cup of cocoa, but, you know, I'm nervous and worried that maybe he can't. Next chapter, Die MCA. So I was at the YMCA, and this boy, like a you know teenager, probably not an adult yet, walks over to the trash can, and I think he's going to throw up in the trash can. And I was like, oh, he's probably going to throw... No, he drops on the floor. Like, he just flops onto the carpet. So I get off the spin bike or whatever I was on, and I run over to him. And I was, like, trying to, like, see what the situation was. And anyway, it ended up working out. We got the paramedics there, and he was okay. But after that experience, I was kind of hyper vigilant. And so the next day, there's a guy who's, like, 89 years old. He is older than Santa Claus and in about as good a shape. And the machine that lets you do some kind of curls or whatever, he's like slumped over it. He is slumped over this thing and his face is resting on the vinyl or whatever. And I freak out. Like I rush across the gym and I'm like, sir, sir. And he was like, whoa, oh. And I was like, are you okay, sir? And he's like, yeah. I just take a little nap on these sometimes. <laughs> and I didn't say it to him, but I was like, you know, maybe when we take naps on the weightlifting machines, we can try not to look so dead. Because that was that was very scary to me. 
Anyway, it's it's always an adventure with very, very old men at the YMCA, and a lot of them look dead. And if one of them takes a nap, air quotes, in the pool, I'm, I'm canceling my membership. All right, next chapter, dreams. When I was probably like 15, I remember having a dream where these men were yelling at me, and they were chasing me, and I knew intrinsically they wanted to do me harm. Like I just knew that this was not going to end well. And I was running like a son of a gun and those guys were chasing me. And that pretty much summed up my high school years. Like I, you know, was fairly tall by the time I got out of there, but you know, I was never really intimidating. I, I didn't deal with hostility the best way, uh, probably. Well, anyway, I come home from the army years later and I had a nightmare that there was a man standing over my little boy's bed. And I remember his eyes were like a fish eye, like they were just dead and expressionless. And his skin was like alabaster white and his jaw was slack. And me, you know, the guy that had the nightmare about being chased by the angry dudes, I slammed this guy against the wall and I pinned him. Like my forearm was under his chin, pinning his throat against the wall. And then a steak knife appeared in my hand and I went to town on him. Like I slashed and hacked and stabbed at this dude and woke up just sweating and angry. I'm not going to lie to you. Even though I was all sweaty and nasty, I was proud because I didn't let that guy or do whatever he was going to do to my little boy. I went to work that day and told everybody, hey, I hacked and slashed a you know zombie looking fish guy to death in my kid's room in my dream. And, and they, they listened to what I had to say uh, very intently. I, I, don't think, you know, I, I haven't had a lot of trouble at work after sharing that dream with people. <laughs> Next chapter, Twilight Bite. I think I get my fear of everything from my dad. And uh, let me explain this a little bit. This is a, I promise this is a true story. When I was in junior high, this girl, I was walking to class and this girl like walked up and she kind of like slumped onto me, like kind of like leaned onto my shoulder and also kind of like grabbed my shoulder. And at 12 or 13, I thought I'd won the lottery, you know, cause like, oh, she's soft and she's pretty and she smells good. And she like brought her head down almost like she was going to kiss me, but she was like too low. It was like on my bicep area, you know, biceps at 12. Okay. My arm, my, my, the, between my shoulder and elbow, I didn't really have biceps. The girl leaned in, she spread her jaws and clamped down hard on my arm. <laughs> this chica bit me. I don't know why to this day. I still don't know what happened. She bit me really hard. And this again isn't kindergarten. It's junior high where you kind of, you know, it is the law of the jungle, but you tend not to bite people so much at that point. But she, she bit the living crap out of my arm to the point where I was like, ow. And then she kind of like slumped off of me. And her friend kind of came up and they kind of laughed and she wandered off. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just a day in my life and it, it was worse in junior high. And, you know, I go home and I tell my mom, you know, a girl bit me. And she's like, she bit you? And I was like, yeah, she, she bit me. And uh, I showed her I had this big red ring that was starting to bruise up around my arm. And my mom was like, holy crap. And she was asking all these questions like, do you think she had hepatitis? <laughs> hepatitis and i was like yeah sorry mom i didn't quite have time to check and see if her eyes looked yellow it was you know i was more worried about her yellow teeth being driven into my arm it's a wonder that 
as I'm like learning about girls and one bit the crap out of my arm, I ever, you know, developed an interest in them at all. The next day, because my dad, my mom told my dad about it and I was always embarrassed for my dad to know things. And uh, the next day as we're driving to school, my dad looks over and says, hey, uh, if you see that girl, you know, you kind of need to be kind of heads up. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, just, you know, kind of be ready for her if she tries to do that again to you. You can't have her doing that to you. <laughs> so I think that's where some of my paranoia came from. He means well, but, you know, I think I've always been kind of heads up about everything. As if it wasn't bad enough to have my dad telling me, be kind of heads up. Soon after getting bitten, I was in a hot tub with my mom and my sister. And my sister's, you know, little boy who was just, you know, really little. And uh, just like the girl who had bitten me, the vampire girl, um, my nephew liked to bite people. But, you know, because he was a tiny little kid, it was a little bit more appropriate, though still not a good thing. He swims up to me. And my sister, because she's kind and caring and really concerned about me after being, you know, tooth assaulted by the vampire girl said to her little boy hey justin don't bite him and he looked back at her she's like i know that he probably tastes really good the word must be out on the street amongst you people that like to bite but don't bite him after that girl had bitten me there were a lot of like vampire jokes going around i'm starting to wonder now like i'm 40 now but like i still look like a kid i still sound like a kid maybe there's something to that Maybe I'm just not aging or not aging very quickly, and maybe I am a vampire, and I guess that's just something else to be heads up about. I'm not really sure what happened to Vampire Girl. I do think I saw her at the theater, like, the summer after she bit me, and I, like, kind of got behind. I was with some of my buddies, and I kind of got behind some of them, and I was like, dude, I think that's the girl who bit me. That's right, you know, because at almost 14 years old, you're hiding behind your friends from a girl. But one of my buddies was really cool about it. He wasn't like, uh, why are you hiding behind me? He actually yelled. He was a loud kid across the lobby at her. Don't bite my friend Dean. So that's brotherhood right there. Next chapter, finding fun in fear. I watched the movie Fire in the Sky with my little boy. And as a kid, that movie scared the crap out of me. If you haven't seen Fire in the Sky, you should. It's about these loggers down in Arizona, which I thought was funny because I didn't know they had trees in Arizona, but apparently they do in the mountains. These poor guys, they're logging and they're coming off the mountain at night and they see a bright light and they stop their logging truck and one of them named Travis Walton gets up, looks at the light and sees, you know, what looks like a spacecraft. He tries to get closer to it. A beam shoots down, picks him up, slams him down on the ground, a beam of light. And then he's missing for several days before um, he calls all messed up and dehydrated. I saw that movie, you know, when I was a kid. And now that the internet's a bigger thing and I still can't get it out of my system, I regularly try to find interviews and podcasts and get to hear what Travis Walton, the man who claims to have been abducted by aliens, has to say. And he comes off actually as the most measured, calm, polite, normal guy you could meet. Just like, like a small town minister. He just seems like a really good guy. And I'm convinced that his alien abduction story might be one of the few I'll ever believe. On the other hand, some of these other people who claim to have been abducted by aliens who live in a trailer, you know, out in the middle of the desert, surrounded by cats and lots of unclean litter boxes who have all kinds of conspiracy theories and all that. They, when they say that they've been abducted, I know they're lying 
because no one would want to abduct them. If you are an alien, right, and you can fly from like millions of light years or whatever around, and you come to Earth to abduct someone, it seems a race, alien race that's so advanced as to be able to do that would probably do some background checks before they pull you into their spaceship, okay? If we got to fly around a million miles with someone, we might as well pick up a cool, you know, hitchhiking companion. We might as well get the guy that probably can tell us some cool chainsaw stories and, you know, later get a movie made about him. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. I wonder if the aliens ever regret who they pull into the ship, you know? Like, do they ever pull in some of these Star Trek people and instead of, you know, the person being terrified and just doing whatever the aliens tell him, the guy gets snarky on their ship. Like, he looks around and he's like, you know, this doesn't look like a real spaceship. And they're like, what? And they're like, yeah, no, I have a blog about what spaceships look like. And your spaceship totally doesn't look like a spaceship. And the aliens are like, no, no, this is a spaceship. We're aliens. We know this is an alien spacecraft. And then he looks at him and he's like, no, you guys don't look like aliens. I have a website and a Facebook page about what aliens really look like. And again, the aliens look at each other with their big almond-shaped eyes. And they're just like, no, we know we're aliens. Sorry to disappoint. And then after insulting the aliens and their spaceship, this is the guy that like pulls out some gadget and starts to complain about the Wi-Fi on the alien ships. And he's, you know, like, gosh, if you guys are so advanced, why don't you have better Wi-Fi? And the alien's like, well, we're trying to get it fixed. We just came here like a million light years away. Like we have other concerns about how well you can play World of Warcraft or whatever on your phone. So anyway, I am convinced that... The best way to not get abducted by aliens is to be as snarky and annoying and weird and obnoxious so that not only will people not want to abduct you, but aliens won't either, and all your bases are covered, and you can just be happy under your tinfoil hat. Next chapter, Bigfoot. So I may not be afraid to be abducted by aliens, but as a child, I was terrified of being abducted by Bigfoot. Disney as in, like, Mickey Mouse made a movie about this, like, doctor and this this lady who are, like, going to try to make things happen. They were both divorced or widowed or whatever, and they brought their two kids up into the Sierra Nevadas, and then Bigfoot abducts uh, the little girl, played by Candace Cameron. They abduct her and take her off, and... um after that, not only were these things really big and hairy and scary and made scary sounds at the helicopters flying over looking for the girl, but they abducted people. And I remember my buddy Ben and I talked about that all the time. Like that was our topic all summer, one summer when I would hang out at his house is we would just talk about Bigfoot. We were so scared of Bigfoot that we were afraid if we mentioned the word Bigfoot, it would somehow like summon him and he would come and abduct us. In the movie that Disney made, I one of the kids plays like a harmonica, and the Bigfoots hated the sound. So I made sure when I went outside, I had my harmonica with me. By the way, we lived like south of L.A. We did not live up in the mountains. This was far from uh, Oregon or wherever Sasquatch supposedly lives. And I would just have that harmonica. And sometimes, though, I didn't think Bigfoot was around. I would still play it outside because a child playing any musical instrument will drive anything away. I didn't know that at the time, but... It was working because I never did see Bigfoot, and, and that, that was a good thing. The thing is, as an adult, there's all these people supposedly hunting Bigfoot, and there's all these people like wanting to take pictures and skulls or whatever. <laughs> Apparently, as a kid, I was too dumb to know if all these people who want to have an encounter aren't, you're probably safe. He, he's not coming for you. 
I want to wish all the parents out there, whether or not you're still afraid of Bigfoot or have been abducted by aliens or bitten by a strange girl in the hall when you were in junior high, I want to wish you all the best and hope that you can keep on going. Hang in there.